0: Hi, I'm Aviva Rumani, and welcome to episode 42 of Kindred Cast, Lion Tree's biweekly podcast featuring insights from deal makers and thought leaders from the world of tech, media, and everything in between. Today, as we enter the holiday season, Lion Tree CEO Arya Borkov embarks for LA to sit down with Dr. Habib Sadegi, the co founder of Beehive of Healing Integrative Medical Center. The pair touch on overcoming life's greatest obstacles being a CEO and leader in today's business culture and his recently published book, The Clarity Cleanse, 12 Steps to Finding Renewed Energy, Spiritual Fulfillment and Emotional Healing. It's the perfect tonic for this whirlwind time of year. Please enjoy the show and wishing you a very happy Thanksgiving.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be sitting here today in beautiful Los Angeles with Dr. Habib Sadegi, I'll call him Dr. S, Hmm. who is the co-founder of Beehive of Healing, along with his wife, an integrated health center based here in Los Angeles. Dr. S offers a unique and individual approach to health, which includes evidence-based Western medical interventions and intuitive Eastern healing methods. His success in integrating East and West healing practices has earned him a respected reputation Resulting in a patient base that reaches around the world. His patients come as far as Colombia, Mexico, Germany, Thailand, France, Canada, Israel, and the United Kingdom, seeking his unique combination of integrative therapies. Thank you for being with us, Dr.
2: S. It's, it's a privilege. Thank you for asking me, and it's really an honor to be here.
1: Thank you. At Lion Tree and also for our Kindred Cast podcast, we try to focus on unique and special individuals like yourself who can also help us understand where we came from and where we're going. And on my conversation with you, we're gonna really focus the topic of this conversation on the microeconomics of the soul. Mm. A lot of people may wonder why we're not talking about media strategies or technology platforms or stocks or bonds, but we're talking about things that are integral to all those things that are very important to all of us, which is the clarity Mm -hmm. of the soul. You have two books published. The latest one is The Clarity Cleanse. And I'd love to understand how you can teach all of us and help all of us as you've been helping me and including myself into channeling the truth about ourselves to become better people and better leaders with kindness and appreciation in a world that is fraught with pressure and uh, anxieties and obviously challenges in pursuit of the greater good. So thank you for being here and helping us with this
2: grandiose topic. Yeah, my pleasure. I just love how you coined it, the microeconomics of soul, because uh, it's very unique. Usually the whole concept of soul, we always consider it to be so um, out of reach. It's not something that we really talk about. But my entire medical philosophy is based on the idea that we are souls first, having a human experience my background. I'm a family doctor. I'm an osteopath. I was trained in family practice and then I specialize in anthroposophical medicine and Usually in the United States, when you say anthroposophical medicine, people say, bless you, they think you sneezed, (laughs) because not many people are aware of it. But in Europe, in Germany, and we have our own hospitals and training, the philosophy behind anthroposophical medicine is that consciousness precedes phenotypic expression. In other words, our soul affects the phenotypic expression, Now, the phenotypic expression could be the color of my eyes, whether my hair is curly or not, or manifest of the cancer that I was inflicted with in second year medical school.
1: 20 years ago.
2: Yeah. You know, when you look at that, most people are unaware that one in two men are getting cancer. One in three women are getting cancer. I mean, talk about CEOs from Lloyd uh, Blankfein to Ben Moshe, God bless him, lung cancer, right? Uh, Warren Buffett. I mean, you name it, Steve Jobs, pancreatic cancer. We can't really stick our heads in the sand and pretend that it's not occurring. And I truly believe that this level of microtension that builds up in our body, it takes a toll and it gets manifested as autoimmune diseases, depression, psychiatric illnesses such as anxiety and depression, as well as cancer.
1: So you think that and you believe and you've obviously practiced and continue to practice the belief that If you treat the peace of mind, I should say, overall, or the soul, then you can uh, prevent diseases, even as severe as cancer or anxiety or other
2: things like that. I don't believe. I know. And I know simply because this is the reason that I'm sitting in front of you, Aria. You know, I was given... They basically gave me a death sentence and all my medical records, it's published in the book, The Clarity Cleanse. And, you know, and I went to the Mecca of oncology, city of hope, you know, here in California, door to California. And, uh, you know, 70% chance of metastasis. That was the diagnosis and that I wasn't going to have any babies, right? We have two children, uh, Hafiz and Hannah, a son and a daughter, naturally. I'm healthy, knock on wood, I'm alive. You know, the very doctors, they can't believe it. My own oncologist, you know, she's a dear friend. She moved up to University of Washington in Seattle. But I know that this works because I'm alive and I'm sitting in front of you. Consciousness matters and people go and and invest a significant amount of time and their lifetime in getting an MBA, getting a PhD, getting a JD, getting this degree and that degree. And we hardly spend time to really cultivate what it means to have integrity, to to be connected with a deeper truth. The whole idea of consciousness, we poo-poo it as something that it's really far-fetched and it's not hard science. It is hard science and our lives depends on it.
1: But what is consciousness? I mean, is that that about the clarity um, exercise to go through, to be in touch with your own truth or what your
2: soul is about, what your purpose is? What does the consciousness mean? Absolutely, consciousness can mean many things to many people. The way I use consciousness is that space, mental space insight that we have to be able to make decisions logically and intuitively at the same time. A lot of people are going through life and they invest so much of their resources financially and and their hard-earned time by wanting to know things either black and white. But the reality is that they don't develop what I refer to in the book as negative capability. Negative capability was coined by the poet, John Keats, who actually uh, was a medical student. (laughs) And he got tuberculosis and he dropped out and he became a poet. And the way that John Keats uh, describes uh, negative capability is the ability, the ability to sit with the mystery of not knowing. Hmm. Just really think about that how much of our time we invest wanting to know right we think that life is black and white the, the light switch it's on and off but the reality is and science has proven this that it's actually a dimmer effect it's like how much truth do you want how much integrity do you want how much light do you want that's consciousness and if we don't cultivate it then what you get is chaos
1: yeah. So you have to know first of all, what you don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And to do that, you have to be very truthful with yourself.
2: Very truthful that there are certain things that you're aware of, but I mean, it's really mind boggling. Look at the language that we use. We still talk about sunrise and sunset. There is no sunrise and sunset. The sun is not moving. We're actually rotating around ourselves and around the sun. You see, mm-hmm. it's earth rising. <laughs> But see, the language that we use, it takes us into lack of clarity. The language that we use, and I'm being very meticulous with the language that I'm using. Why? Because the linguistic abstraction as mammals, this is really what sets us apart. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or if you're a worker. If you're not careful with the language that you use, then what you do is you start a trickle-down economy of thoughts that will overwhelm you. Well, what do these thoughts do? They upregulate, they create neurotransmitters, such as glutamine, glutamate, right, epinephrine, norepinephrine, serotonin, melatonin, histamine, and so forth. But what do they do? They create feelings, You feel good, you feel bad, you feel high, you feel down, all that. And then what? All these feelings will upregulate, will shift and change our hormones. Testosterone, growth hormone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone, DHEA. And what do they do? They create an emotional set point or what's referred to as personality. For most of us, we get stuck. Now, if you're a CEO and if you're in continuous pressure and you upregulate the level of epinephrine, well, guess what? You're stuck. Now, if you don't live in a world of chaos, you feel like you're depressed. Something is missing. So what you're doing is your personality is continuously creating microtrauma. <laughs> Micro chaos, and you're not even aware of it.
1: Looking for a truth that you're not even grounded in reality from, you know. Exactly, very well said. And so, how I mean, you have a um, full schedule with uh, patients, and you're very gracious with your time. Obviously, you have a business practice around it, and a lot of your patients um, that are known and disclosed are let's call it typically type A people or star studded or incredibly successful in this world. So they were already successful when they came to you. By the definition of society. So, without being obviously indiscreet, how do you improve someone who's already successful, top of their game, a CEO, a celebrity, an entrepreneur, a humanitarian? What are they
2: looking for when they come to see you? Yes, look, every person is different. We all have different paths. But one of the first distinctions that I bring forward for people to look at is it's okay to say no. It's actually, we refer to it as sacred no. Most people, they don't know how to say no. So what they do is they come up and they actually need, I'll give you an example. You were kind enough. You have this powerful, beautiful, wonderful event that you invited me to. And I said, look, listen, thank you so much for the invitation and no, no. It's just really simple. Now, this doesn't mean that you're not important to me. It doesn't mean that I don't love you, I don't respect you. It simply means that I know how much battery I have in my body, just like a cell phone. And most people, they really don't know how to say no. So they give a lot of yeses, and what happens is they burn up. They completely burn out their adrenals. And then what occurs is chaos, inflammation, depression, cancer, neurological issues, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis. Look, this is an, is a secret answer to a prayer. <laughs> I really, truly believe that. That's why we started with the microeconomics of the soul. If a human being slows down, stops and learns how to literally learn how to say no, they actually are saying yes to themselves, to self-care. Well, it's not
1: easy, right? Because we're in a world at large, which is fraught with tension. It feels like more than ever before, but maybe that's just how it feels. But that's also just a cop-out to talk about, because it really is all about the individual circumstance that Absolutely. we go through, that I go through, that people go through. And there's definitely um, a moment in time about being a CEO that has to be very innovative, always transitioning, always in motion, I uh, was leading in different ways, managing in different ways. Uh, this is the technology revolution where there are all different kinds of business models. All the media companies we talk about are in transition mode uh, in their business models. And, and the markets are fluid and plentiful. It feels like a lot to grapple with, right? And mm-hmm. on top of all that, you have to be there for other people as a leader. But you're saying you also, you also have to be there for yourself.
2: What I'm saying is that the greatest, the greatest wealth is health. The greatest wealth is health. And you could be the most innovative CEO. You could be the most powerful human being on the planet. If you do not put the oxygen mask on yourself first, really, you can't survive, especially now. And
1: you is know, health about you know, running in the park all day or is it about the diet I, or about nutrition?
2: I really, truly believe that health is about the ability to be able to think You cannot be a CEO and fly two or three times a week and expect a different outcome than cancer and neurological issues. And here's why. When you are flying at 30-some thousand feet up, you're being bombarded with radiations, with gamma radiations and so forth. Traveling, okay, at that height, traveling, okay, 16 to 20 hours is equivalent to smoking a pack of cigarette on that flight. Just think about the level of free radical that your body gets exposed to. Now, on top of that, if you're eating poorly, if you have a sedentary lifestyle, if you're stressed, if you're literally continuously or ruminating over your thoughts and talking to yourself of what you should have done, what you could have done. Now, if all of a sudden you have a disconnection from your family, from your beloved, from your children, all that stress, the downstream effect is chaos. It's dis-ease. So health starts by slowing down, pausing, and really realizing that at the end of it all, at the end of it all, what matters is this spaciousness that you create, the clarity that you create to be able to pull, to suck the mirror out of life, as it said.
1: There's a quote that I've looked at recently by a, a German named Timothy Keller. He wrote this, uh, for the reason for God, belief in an age of skepticism. This is not a religious quote, but it could be, I guess. It's all about restrictions giving you freedom. And it says, in many areas of life, freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, the liberating restrictions. Mm -hmm. Those that fit with the reality of our nature and the world produces greater power and scope for our abilities and a deeper joy and fulfillment experimentation, Mm. risk, and making mistakes being growth only if over time they show us our limits as well as our abilities. Mm. If we grow intellectually, vocationally, and physically through judicious constraints, why would it not also be the spiritual and moral growth that comes out as well? Instead of insisting on freedom to create spiritual reality, shouldn't we be seeking to discover it and disciplining ourselves to live according to it? So the concept is find the restrictions and that will give you freedom sounds paradoxical Mm -hmm. in nature, but by finding those limitations, the travel, things that we're talking about, then the freedom is unlocked.
2: Absolutely. Limit in mathematics means something that you move towards. It's not something that you stay away from. When you feel limited in, let's say, communication with your, let's say, your daughter, right? Mm -hmm. But you move towards it. And all of a sudden you have a heart connection with Olivia and a completely new Olivia is born, right? Yeah. And there is a sweetness that just opens up. Limit, it means something to move towards, not to stay away from. And really the concept of microeconomics of the soul is first acknowledge that there is a soul, that your spiritual cultivation matters, Right. And not everyone needs to go to India. Not everyone needs to stand up on their head. The idea is to create this spaciousness inside so we could be reflective. And what do we reflect on? We reflect on qualities that we cannot get at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, right? Qualities such as integrity, truth, integrity, right? Sweetness, loving. These are qualities that must be cultivated. Otherwise, it atrophies, how did you come to learn all this? How do you practice it? I got cancer. I didn't really have a choice. I didn't have a doctor's sedegi when I was going through that. You know, I wanted to become a patent attorney, and I realized that. Oh, wait a minute. I mean, I'm eating poorly. I'm not exercising, and cancer was one of the best things that occurred for me. You know, and I, the way I spell it is C-A-N-S-W-E-R can answer and th- th- you got to realize that this was during the time where Scott Hamilton the skater nearly died mm-hmm. from testicular cancer Armstrong nearly died he lost part of his brain part of his lungs right so it was very scary at the age of 26 here's the diagnosis that you get but what occurred for me was I took some time Uh, I was second year of medical school. I took some time. I traveled to India. I traveled to Mexico. I learned some of the esoteric, scientific, traditional wisdoms that I didn't learn in medical school. And that really made all the difference. You know, I decided to become a family practitioner. I decided to really focus on practicing a type of medicine where the biography of the patient is far more important than the pathology that they have. You know, two people might come in with prostate cancer or with breast cancer, but we might come up with a completely different solution for them, right? Because the biography is different, because the traumas that they've gone through, how they've processed what they've gone through, it differs. And that makes all the difference downstream.
1: The other thing that you're practicing is love. You're wearing a love button right now. You always wear a love button pin and you founded the movement, the love button. Right. So tell us about that as because I do, I do think in this day and age, and I've spoken to a number of my colleagues that are listening about the need for kindness, not just strength, but kindness as a balancing act. Uh,
2: yeah. Kindness is the fluidity that it's needed. In the book, The Clarity Cleanse, I talk about, oh, I found the marker. The marker is ferritin. F-E-R-R-I-T-I-N. Ferritin is, in a nutshell, it's the amount of iron that's stored in the body. When a person feels that they're continuously are being attacked, what they do is they mobilize the serum iron, the iron in their blood, into their tissue. They armor up. And that's what Morton Herskowitz in the book, Emotional Armoring, was talking about. I have never, empirically, thousands of patients, I have never found a CEO that they feel they're being invaded or attacked, that their ferritin was not elevated. But what does that do? Ferritin increases the viscosity of blood. It leads into oxidation. If you leave iron somewhere, what does it do? It rusts. So it increases the cancer marker, right? And it also thickens Blood. Now imagine, even if you have the greatest swimmer, if you push him into a pool that is filled with honey. It doesn't matter if they have 20 or 25 gold medals. It takes them forever to go from one end of the pool to the other end. And we're wondering why we're losing our memory. We're wondering why we cannot recall information. We're wondering why the cholesterol is being elevated. We're wondering why we're getting hemorrhoids. We're wondering why we're getting varicose seals, inflamed nerve endings and or polyneuropathies. This is where it's coming from. But no one is speaking about that. But I was second year medical school. I got this diagnosis of cancer. And I went back to medical school to anatomy lab. And I told Gary, my partner I said man I'm not doing well and he said well let's just go get lunch and in that conversation he looked at me and he said listen I don't know the God that you believe in but the God that I believe in is a loving God and then he said something to the effect he who hasn't loved hasn't known God yet for God is love let me tell you something I walked away feeling taller I mean, it was just one of the most incredible experiences because it shifted my context. Because up until that point, I actually believed in a punitive God. I felt guilty and shameful. I felt like I was being punished. Once I started shifting and holding it differently, it made all the difference. That was years ago, but it touched me to the point that I started writing love inside my left thumb And, you know, it was difficult because as a medical student, you got to wash your hands between patients. Eventually, I I would just get a little stickers. And then eventually I found uh, these little love buttons. And one time... This gentleman, I had no idea who he was, he came in as a patient. He picked one up, he started wearing it. And before we knew it, people were calling in and asking for a love button. The same person, well, you know, he's out there and I, I think it would be okay to mention it. Chris Martin, the head, the lead singer of uh, Coldplay. And uh, during Super Bowl 50 halftime show, he passed out 75,000 love buttons. <laughs> Both sides of the stadium, people were holding these colored placards that spelled believe in love. 111 million people watched that. And I'm here to tell you, this matters. When people see this little button, and even if they don't believe in it, it actually creates a neurological response for them that, wow, loving matters. And it creates a deeper softness, a sweetness. I think that's really what we need.
1: So in the Clarity Cleanse, you talk about the tools that you can use to get in touch with your soul and the truth and live a better life, be better people, obviously, um, be better leaders. You talk about the 12-minute purge. Right. How can people exercise that?
2: Yeah, that, I think that's the greatest thing. One of the things that I've noticed working with, I feel very blessed that I've had the privilege of working with people that, that they really are holding conversations that they're, really, uh, that they're significant in the world. One of the things that I ask them to consider is what we refer to as PU-12, P-E-W-12, which stands for purged emotional writing, 12 minutes a day. And you basically sit wherever you feel comfortable, okay, and for 12 minutes you tune in and you write down and you simply ask yourself, what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What am I feeling right now? It came out of University of Oregon. They did research and they basically ask people to do this simple exercise. Columbia Medical School, right now they have this whole branch of medicine that they refer to it as narrative medicine. It's so powerful. Narrative meeting, communicating. Communicating. And, you know, and basically with Pew 12, you sit down, you reflect, this is daily, but here's the thing. You can't type it. You can't do it on your phone, iPod, iPad. You need to be a physically hold a pen or pencil, write it. And then I recommend either you shred it, you flush it down the toilet, or preferably you burn it. I think there's something cleansing. You
1: don't keep a record of it. You
2: don't keep a record of it. Because every day is a new day. Every day is a new day. And it also allows the subconscious to really open up. Okay. It's a sacred
1: exercise to know that you're going to burn it afterwards.
2: Absolutely. Because it allows you to be able to trust yourself. You know, because you've got to realize most of us, especially a CEO right and especially if they are armored or contracted we feel like well I can't say that what if someone sees it right I have had people that they say I can't write it because if I burn it the trace of what I've written might be on the paper underneath and I ask them look just get a piece of paper get a board but really allow yourself to empty out to purge it's so cleansing a lot of the sages a lot of the innovative people in the history they did this Edison this is one of the practices he used okay Jonas Salk his last book tiny little book it's called survival of the wisest Mm -hmm. okay one of the greatest immunologists. you know Salk Institute right And, and polio vaccine these are simple exercises that we could do and what does it do it allows us to get closer to what Einstein said which is imagination is far more important than knowledge We can't just focus on the concreteness of the knowledge of what we know. We need to create enough space to be able to tap into our intuition and imagination.
1: Wow. Sounds like panacea. That's the dream.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if is a panacea, but it's a tool that we can use for a very congested, constipated modern world, especially a lot of the CEOs, they're really stepping forward to answer a calling and they want to be part of a larger conversation. And can you imagine from the time that they wake up? I know this because they communicate with me. They wake up with the alarm of their phone. They pick up the phone on their way to the bathroom. Now they're checking their text messages and then emails and then social media and then the Facebook. Now they're sitting on the restroom for 45 minutes. Look, there is absolutely no space for the brain to start up.
1: Yeah, I read an article uh, recently that Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, gets up every morning at I think around 4.15 in the morning but he creates his own firewall, mm-hmm. so to speak, so he doesn't check his phone and he can be alone with his thoughts That's it. for a period of time before he kind of dives into the routine, which is really, you know, admirable because it is what you're saying. It's channeling into your thought process before you kind of like get into the grind. You know? Yeah,
2: look, that is the microeconomics of the soul. I want to be alone with myself. What is that self with capital S? It's your soul. He's practicing. I mean, that is the ontological basis of the microeconomics of the soul. I'm not going to just rush into this cold water of information and start processing until I pass out at night. I'm actually going to sculpt what my day would look like. That signifies a mature adult.
1: What is success then in your mind?
2: I think success for each of us is different. For me, success is that I have a life that I love. My life is vacation, my work. I love my work. You know, the love that you perceive, it's really what's here. I'm grateful every day. Every day I just really get on my knees and I simply say thank you. Every time that I turn on my shower and I have hot water, 4.2 billion people on the planet, they don't have access to that. Did you hear that? 60% of the planet. On the planet, we got 7.8 billion people. 4.2 billion people, they don't have a toilet. They don't take a warm shower every day. I feel so grateful. And this gratitude was the sauce that really pulled me through cancer. If people were to wake up every day, and to really look for the blessings, it shifts and changes everything. But that's not what most human beings do. We wake up and we complain about the shit everywhere. And I say, look for the pony. If there is feces, look for the pony. You know. And I think Hamlet, Act 4, Scene 5, assume a virtue if you have it not. That's what Shakespeare was talking about. Where we look is where we go. Gratitude gratitude, to be alone with oneself and to really count your blessings. That's a good place to start.
1: It's a beautiful thought and very difficult to achieve. I feel like in today's age, speaking for me personally, but obviously um, I know for many of my colleagues and our clients and our um, compatriots, and I've seen you speak at conferences, but rarely because like you said, you do say no. <laughs> right. um, and I saw you at Brilliant Minds and we were in Stockholm with Daniel X uh, conference You interviewed Usher to talk Mm -hmm. about how he uh, gets through his meditations and his life. But how do you take on patience? How do you fill your day? How do you select who you work with? Because many more people than you have time for in the day needs help with exactly the things that you're talking about. Yet you've worked with very high profile people and probably some others that are not so high profile. How does that process work for you?
2: I listen. I live a life that's spirit-guided. You know, I've spent four years of my life, my wife and I, we have a degree in spiritual psychology with a fellowship in consciousness, health and healing. So what I'm sharing with you, I didn't pick up a book, How You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, and now I'm repeating it. You know, what I'm sharing with you, is from the trenches of my own suffering. I lost my brother in July 1st, 2015, the most brilliant human being that I've ever met. I mean, he graduated from USC School of Medicine, top of his class. He became an interventional cardiologist, but he lived a life that was um, filled with chaos. And he got Parkinson's disease, and he didn't have a quality of listening for me until he got to a point that he consciously took his own life. So the suffering that I've gone through, it really what guides me. So I have very intimate contact with my soul. I've surrendered into the mystery of that soul. And I allow that soul to guide me. You know, most human beings, they live a life that is epistemologically based, which is the science of how, but ontologically living a life. It's the science of being. That's why this gentleman starts his day by firewalling his life and creating a womb, a cocoon to connect with his soul. And then you start from that place and that makes all the difference.
1: And you can take risks. You could be happy. You could be a leader. You could be there for others.
2: You learn to surrender into the mystery. And instead of wanting to know, you surrender. And that makes all the difference. Surrender. It's a beautiful word. It took me six years to really understand it. Surrender, uh, Norman French, sir, S-U-R which means above, extra. And render, in musical terms, it means a new translation. It also means a thin layer of plaster that you put on the wall. Surrender means to come above and give it a new meaning. You know, when you surrender, you completely let go of wanting to know. You accept, you cultivate the quality of negative capability. And everything is connected with everything. And there is an energy here that we're swimming in just like a fish is swimming in water. We actually think we have a choice, but a fish has a choice as much as it's connected to the water. That water, we refer to it as Ruha Hagodesh or Holy Spirit or life. That is the Wi-Fi that we tune in.
1: (laughs) You also told me about humility. Uh, And I read about it that uh, the root word of humility is hummus, right? Yeah, not the food.
2: Not the food, it means soil. It means to go back to your essence, going back to our essence. What is our essence? Which is love, which is really love. I've been with a lot of people with significant influence on their deathbeds. Not one has ever said, I wish I would have come up with another innovation. I wish I would have made another trillion dollars. The question is, gosh, I I could have loved more. I could have loved more and the reason that I think that we're alive is I truly believe that this is an earth school and it's to really cultivate and to get rid of the misunderstanding and misperceptions and the things that they block us, the armors that prevent us from loving.
1: When you're present and loving in the moment, you can sense right away when the other person is not.
2: Because yeah. by being the loving, we create what's referred to as a third consciousness. We stay connected, okay? And you create something that doesn't exist. Most people, they're not present. They're in their head. They're trying to figure out what to say and how to look good. That's not how I operate. I'm completely vulnerable and I'm completely present. And whatever comes forward, we work with it. That is the skill set that we're taking to medical schools. We're we're creating an endowment to teach medical students how to actually do this.
1: The timing of this podcast is prescient and important because we're obviously past the summer months. We're looking towards Thanksgiving and the end of the year. And it's a very important moment for renewal and for reflection and for introspection. That's it. And also for uh, focusing on the things that are truly important. And so I do really appreciate that you can set us on the right path Mm -hmm. in our soul, but also for the benefit of our businesses and our people and our entrepreneurial thoughts and really redefining wealth and value creation from the perspective of health and the perspective of prioritization and ourselves and our
2: souls. So thanks for reminding us about all these things reminding me specifically about this. Thank you for the opportunity of allowing this to be a sounding board for me to hear it even deeper further into the very fiber of my existence we take every time we give and i completely am a believer of that so thank you
1: thank you and i'll let you get to your date night
2: with Bye. your wonderful <laughs> life
0: <laughs> my okay thank you <laughs> If you want to check out any prior episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to leave a review there as it helps people find the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at KindredCast for behind the scenes photos and info. Keep listening and see you next time.